This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm joined this week by David and Brady. Today we're going to be breaking down Georgia State's tough road loss to UTA and Texas State. And then getting into a little bit of talk about Georgia State's next visitor to the sports arena, that team from down south, Georgia Southern, coming to visit the Panthers this Friday at 7 o'clock. Gentlemen, let's start with breaking down this uh, this tough road trip for the Panthers men's basketball team. They had a really good opportunity this weekend, and um, they just kind of had the rug come out from underneath them. And, you know, it's nice that both of those games – were close. The final score, I don't think, was indicative of the you know quality of the game, but that was a real missed opportunity that the Panthers just let slip through their fingers. Yeah, pulling back the curtain a little bit, in my notes for this podcast, um, I put insert whatever Jim Halpert gif when talking about the Texas trip, and there's a lot of them that would apply, you know, bewilderment, uh, the one where he's sitting down just shaking his head. That was the one that came to mind for me. Are we alienating the non-office fans by making offense references? There's a non-office fan amongst our myths, so I don't think so. <laughs> I do get what you're. I do know the reference that you're making, though. You understood that reference. Okay. Yes, most of my friends like The Office, so I know the memes and such. So, yeah, it. You were down one against UTA with 151 left and leading by one, I think with something like four minutes left and you led by 16 in that game and you lost in the end. And then at Texas state, you trailed the entire game, but you fought back and tied it at 74 with a hair over three minutes left and you lost that game too. So it wasn't necessarily a case of not showing up or anything, but it was two games that it would, it's not that far-fetched to say that the trip could have gone 2-0 if a couple of possessions on either game go differently. And so I guess that maybe feels more frustrating than if it was just two games where you just didn't show up in the building. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, I feel like I've been the one who's personally gotten on them a lot about this lately. Look at that rebound, or excuse me, look at the turnover disparity from this past weekend. It's not great. Over the two games, the Panthers had 28 turnovers and only forced 14. Texas State had only four turnovers the entire game. You know, you can't have a situation where you go, you need a win and you're only forcing a team like Texas State to have four turnovers. And especially if you're going to be a turnover-prone team, it's not going to keep you in many ball games. Not at all. And especially pulling that back a little bit, Texas State was coming into the game without their starting point guard, and the guy who came in to replace him, Marlon Davis, was in foul trouble early on, and it, I think he picked up his third either right before halftime or right after halftime. And so if you've got a situation where not only is a team missing their usual distributor, but the guy who replaces him is also not playing as much, you have to be able to force turnovers. You have to be able to do something with that. And so for no matter who is playing, even if, you know, like even if like Chris Paul is who you're lined up against, you force more than four turnovers. Um, but I think that I would also tag on to the, that side of the ball for the, for the Texas State game. The defense is where I would say 
more problems were because for most of the game, except late on, uh, once it got tied again, the offense was there. In the first half, Corey was scoring. He had all 17 of his points in the first half. And just as a sidebar, I don't necessarily mind that he he scored just the 17 first half. He didn't score again because Kane in the second half. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a problem because without his 17 in the first half, you're not in that game anyway, offensively. So, But digressing from that, the defense, the only stretch of the game where the defense really was locked in was the stretch where Georgia State actually got back and tied it at 74. Uh, The first 30 minutes or so, it kind of escaped them. And then late in the game, Texas State was able to get stops. Georgia State wasn't, and that was the difference. And you could see it too. You know, one of the things that was frustrating about watching that is the turnovers and, you know, the fouling. It's like, for whatever reason, as the se- as the season has gone on, Georgia State has not been able to play defense without getting in foul trouble. You know, and you're right, Corey Allen only scoring 17 in the first half. That is what it is. There's, you know, nothing wrong with that because, as you said, Kane came alive and, you know, they got other things from other players. But especially with... Nelson Phillips not being able to play they just needed to find some sort of spark off the bench and they really didn't get it in the way that they needed and Ivory played Linder played and Lynn Thomas played you know but all of them had picked up at least two fouls you know and it's especially given the balance between you know getting in that early foul trouble and just giving Texas State multiple attempts at the line it's it doesn't matter how good of defense you are if they're just going to keep making their free throws you know i mean they were 80% on the afternoon 24 of 30 that is far too many free throws to be giving up and allow that yeah i guess um i'm going to make you both mad i think here we need to address the elephant in the room Oh no! I'm stopping uh, the I recording mean, right now. I'm <laughs> okay. calling the police. Okay. I I will I will go to the station and report myself. It's fine. <laughs> so Nelson had concussion issues. He couldn't play neither game, and it wasn't the reason for either loss. I mean, just up front, it wasn't because, like I started out by saying, you were in both games late, so it didn't need to be an excuse. It a guy who comes off the I mean any player missing wouldn't be an excuse but theoretically one person no matter how much of a glue guy they are shouldn't be the difference between winning and losing but I think it had an impact in both games I would say especially against UTA it had an impact because a lot of the corner threes and the shots where he kind of especially of late has just been slipping the defense and been wide open we're falling to other guys and they weren't making the shots. And especially in the second half against UTA, no one was making the shots. The team shot 11 of 37 and one of 12 from three in the second half against UTA. And it wasn't even just bad looks. There were a fair amount of offense was working to get a guy open and whoever it was, it just wasn't falling. Um, And you know, to agree to a degree, that's how the game goes sometimes. But especially knowing that Nelson, who has been the best catch and shoot guy on the team, was going to be out. I think there was probably an, an awareness someone was going to have to step up offensively in that way. And it, it didn't happen. And not again, not the reason for the loss, but it certainly didn't help things. I think 
that's the you know you mentioned the bad three-point shooting in the second half i think that's what was so discouraging about that uta loss because after starting off a little slow the panthers actually you know they looked really good for oh about five ten minutes um you know at the 616 mark in the first half they were up 31 to 17 you know and you really felt that like wow you know all of the things that we had talked about in the previous week you know they they had fixed them the defense was there you know the shooting was there and it seemed like you know Justin Roberts was going to have a phenomenal day from behind the arc um but it just it didn't it didn't materialize much after that the rest of the way and it's it, it's almost curious because it's not like the Mavericks did anything super special to change how the offense for Georgia state was supposed to go. I mean, did you notice anything that made it seem like, yeah, it makes sense that Georgia state is struggling at this point. I mean, they weren't really much in the game for the first minutes. It felt, it felt like Georgia state was winning on effort and were running out in transition and, UTA didn't really have an answer for either of those, which um, changed. And I, I think that that was the difference is UTA kind of found their footing in the game. And you and me talked about this on the last pod, that the formula to winning on the road is getting enough of a comfortable lead to where it doesn't come down to late in the game. Because when it's close late in the game, the home team maybe feeds off the home crowd energy is more comfortable in the situation and finishes it out. And unfortunately that's exactly what happened. And it didn't have to be Um, watching the game. Just my thoughts, the shooting was very hot to start. It was five of the first eight, three pointers for Georgia state went in and there was just a huge discrepancy in the shooting percentages. And so my thought was, this isn't going to stay this big of a discrepancy discrepancy but that doesn't mean that georgia state can't still win this game comfortably like even in spite of the fact that the shooting percentages were going to level out at some point for both georgia state and uta it still didn't mean okay well that means that the game's gonna flip and the georgia state's gonna lose in the second half but i i think it just one the shooting got really bad for georgia state and utas took an, an exceptional jump from where it was in the first half. So it was kind of the extremes of both situations, but then also it just late in the game. And this was kind of in both games. It just didn't seem like the best offense was being run late. Like that, an example I can give. Yeah. I was going to ask, was that when they went to Josh Linder to try to you know, close things out? So in the Texas State game, the one play I go back to, I want to say Texas State was up two at this point. Uh, it was, I think it was even out of a timeout too. So it might have been a called play. I don't know if this was an on-the-court thing, if this was a drawn-up thing. I think the idea was that Kane was going to draw a lot of attention, and so when the guys were sucked over to him, he was going to pass it in to Josh under the hoop for... It almost worked. He was kind of there, but one, I would say that it, it, a struggle with the offense at times this year has been entry passes, either on it not getting handled right or if the pass not being perfect. And so one, I would question whether that's a real strength of what this offense does. But even if we had 
seen more success over the year. I just would question, especially with how good Kane was in the second half against Texas State, taking it out of his hand in that situation. If he's going on the drive, let him go up with it, try and grow contact, try and just finish at the hoop and tie it. Um, again, no idea if that was... Uh, Might have been Coach Lanier called it and was like, this is Kane's play and that Kane saw Josh and saw the attention he was getting and thought he could make something happen. But Nigel Pearson was taking the shots late in the game. The other senior, Eric Terry, got an and one running in transition late in the game that put it up to five and Georgia State never got within a possession after that. And so it just there's something about the guys who should be taking the shots at the end of the game, passing them up that doesn't sit great with me, but it's easy for me to say. It's very easy for me to say, but it still seems like the, if there's anything that was a common theme between both losses and the fact that the offense wasn't able to close out late, it was just that it wasn't the right opportunities being found. I think you make a great point about um, the offense in terms of the guy that you expect to take the shot. Um because I think I don't want to pick on him necessarily, but I know that there was a Corey Allen three attempt very late in the game. Um, I don't know if it was with uh, under a minute or anything, but I know that it was there was an opportunity for Georgia State to come back, but Texas State basically could not score again. Um, and I think Corey Allen got the ball with probably thirteen seconds left on the shot clock. And instead of like taking it back out, he rushed a three and it, it like, it wasn't a good shot. I, I can definitively say that it wasn't a good shot, but I was just sitting there watching that. And I was thinking, I feel like earlier in the year, that's one that he makes. And if it's not one that he makes, there's at least other action around where it's not that that's the shot that he's looking to take, if that makes sense. And I think it's, I don't want to I don't want to use the word frustrating but it's it's weird how at the end of these two games the Panthers seem to get either a little gun happy or very gun shy. Yeah, I mean first off we should just address the the first law of shooting uh is it's a good shot if it goes in. That's true. And the second law is if it's a bad shot and it doesn't go in then it's really bad. I don't know if that's the scientific language or not but yeah, it just it wasn't ha- and I think just aside from any with what we were just talking about, I think it's also just the simple fact that the shots didn't go in. And I'm remembering in the UTA game, we're bouncing back and forth, but they kind of meld together as far as the end game scenarios go. So the lead was just one for UTA under two minutes. Kane had just cut it back to one, and UTA called. Someone called a timeout. I think it might have been Georgia State. Someone called a timeout. Georgia State played about 25 seconds of really good defense and kept not letting UTA get much. And then right at the end of the shot clock, goes out to their big at the top of the arc, and he drains a three to push it to four. And taking out the you know choices, what we were just talking about, there is a certain degree of sometimes the shots go in for a team and sometimes they go, don't go in for the other one, and that's just basketball. And that's fine. You know, obviously it's frustrating, but that's fine. Sometimes that happens. It just, it was an unfortunate weekend for that to happen for Georgia state. Yeah. Because we've kind of gone back and forth of uh, 
the pods ago, it was kind of like, well, this isn't great. Lost to Louisiana. Um, let's go, you know, see if they win against the Carolina schools. And then that happened and other results went Georgia State's way and it was closer in the Sunbelt race. So it switched last week to like all like flowers and rainbows. And so it's ping pong back and forth. I haven't worked out the math and that's going to continue what that means for Georgia State's tournament chances, depending on how many pods we do. So we'll find out if that's a thing or not. But the fact of the matter is that it's dicey for the Sunbelt title in the regular season, but you really had a chance at that. You kind of took your destiny away from yourself. Uh, we, we'll go back into it in a minute with the permutations, everything left with the Sunbelt, but it's back to kind of winning what games you can and see where the cards fall. And even if you just win one of two, especially if you win against Texas state, you kind of hold a lot of the cards for where you end up in the regular season. And that's not the case. That's, that's what this week meant. It doesn't mean that the results you can't get the, you know, you can't, it doesn't mean that the double buy, the buy straight to Nola is gone. It, it technically doesn't mean the regular season title is gone. So, although that's really iffy, but it just means that a lot less is in your hands. And so what once was a promising controlling your own destiny situation, it's kind of pivoted to not that. And so that's the, the ultimate takeaway from the Texas trip. Yeah, I think even if you split those games, if you beat Texas State, you're still just very much in the driver's seat. And obviously they're not out of it, as we've said, but ooh, something, something's going to have to happen either this week or next weekend in order for them to get back into that top two and go straight to NOLA, which obviously that's what they want. But all that gets started with a solid showing and hopefully a win for the Panthers on Friday when they play host to... Georgia Southern coming into the sports arena seven o'clock on Friday. Um, a lot on the line, both in, you know, obviously Georgia state and Georgia Southern seasons here, but it also goes a long way towards figuring out where the final standings of the regular season are going to fall and who's going to be getting slotted into where it seems like this team or this game rather could kind of go a long way as to locking up that top four provided that Georgia state takes care of business. What are our thoughts? It sucks because obviously when you're playing Georgia Southern, there's an element of please win. Like you have to, it's Southern. But now especially because you don't want to drop out of that top four, the Panthers have to win. Like I'm not the champion. I hate the phrase. Y'all know what I'm going to say. But this unequivocally is a must win game for Georgia State because if they don't win this game, even if they beat Little Rock, Things are very dicey about their prospects to finish in the top four. Um, you know, there are tiebreakers and things that we can, we'll still, we'll get into that later, but you absolutely cannot lose to Southern on Friday. Please. Can't do it. <clears throat> I can get into it now. Sure. Mutations guy checking in. So I would bump up against one thing in that I think if Georgia State wins one of the last two because of how the tiebreakers do shake out. They're in very good shape to be at least in the top four. I think losing either game would eliminate them from being in the top two and getting the buy straight to NOLA. But Georgia state is two and O head to head against South Alabama. 
they would have the tie break on Georgia Southern if they lose to Southern but beat Little Rock because they would be one and zero versus Little Rock. Southern would be zero and one versus Little Rock, and they have the tiebreaker over App State for the same head-to-head reason. They were two and zero versus App State if App State is still surging. So, I would say that winning either game is important as far as top four goes because I think because of just who plays who and everything left, it would be hard to see a world where Georgia State with those tiebreakers at play finishing on 12 wins and not being in the top four, but changing from that going just more big picture. If little rock wins any game left on their schedule, Georgia state cannot be the regular season title holders. They cannot because (laughs) they currently are two wins up and three losses up. So if little rock loses to schools this week, and loses at Georgia State. Depending on the results, Georgia State could be the title winner. That said, we'll know for sure before the game against Southern because Little Rock plays tomorrow. They play ULM tomorrow. And so if they win that game, Georgia State cannot win the regular season title. Tomorrow being Thursday when this episode is released. Sorry. Yes. Okay, they just will make it play sure. the day before Georgia State plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, you know, a... Uh, vague enough thing you know pulling back the shield whatever um so by friday georgia state will know if they even still have a chance at the regular season title because little rock will have played by then if texas state finishes by winning both games because they have a game up on georgia state if they win out no matter what georgia state can't catch them if georgia state wins out and texas state doesn't they would be the two seed they meaning Georgia State. If Texas State wins out, no matter what, Georgia State can't catch them. And so it would be a case of whether Texas State is the one or the two based on what happens with Little Rock. Uh, the interesting thing and why I'd say it maybe is an even more important game for Georgia Southern. If they lose this game with the tiebreakers they have going against them, it looks it's it's going to be a lot tougher for them to even guarantee being in the top four. So aside from anything, they haven't beaten Georgia state in two years type noise for their standings and getting any kind of buy. This is a really important game for Southern. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, kind of digging into the game as we've talked all season, I, I feel confident that Georgia state will probably win it, you know, home, Loss, Juju, and, you know, home court advantage aside, I do think Georgia State is still the better team. Is there an update on Nelson's status? It's concussions, so it's just about him being cleared. Okay. And I mean... Uh, So, yeah, it's it's not even like a let's not speculate about injuries. Um, He was a game-time decision last weekend, which isn't like he isn't playing like game time decision means you know, right there was a chance he was going to play so i'd feel pretty decent but again it it's just a matter of clearing the protocols that exist there and those are kind of the only injuries that <laughs> there's no use speculating because it isn't really a speculation thing it's a pretty finite right and if he was you know very close to playing last weekend then you know there's probably a good chance that he's gonna be fine to play on friday so if he doesn't play though i still think that georgia state could be fine after all it is southern there's still you know 
a team that we, as we've talked about before with them, they still turn over the ball too much. You know, they're not super prolific from three point range. And, you know, if Georgia state does what they can do to control Ike Smith and Quan, it's going to be a long day for the Eagles. So also Georgia Southern is not a great three point free throw shooting team, excuse me. And I think if it's a situation where Georgia state is in foul trouble, it'll be bad because you never want to be in foul trouble, but it won't necessarily hamper them as it has the past two games. It shouldn't, I should say. Yeah, I mean, game has to play out to confirm that, but it's definitely on paper not a... Both Texas State and UTA were above 75% as a team. And digging into the numbers even more, the starters, the guys that ended up taking the free throws were more in the 80s for Texas State and UTA. They both had really good free throw shooters, and those were the people taking the free throws most of the time. So on paper, you're right about that. Uh, but you know, Georgia Southern could have a good shooting day, f- free throws, and if you're giving them a lot of opportunities, giving them more chance to uh, get and do over them from the line. So don't do that. I, we had a lot of uh, off-air discussions about the game that was going to be the, quote, toughest leading into the final three games, and uh, there was a lot of dissension. I said Texas State and Georgia State lost the Texas State games, so I feel a little vindicated about that. But I think that that also just speaks to the fact that I really just trust this Georgia State team at home. They only lost once this year. It was kind of a weird game. And that's been a theme for Georgia State losing at home is when it's happened, It's there's been something weird that's gone on that's made it happen instead of just getting beat. And so I think neither team is really coming to this game in kind of a rhythm Georgia state won the two games before this road trip, but obviously went zero and two on this road trip and Southern kind of got waxed by Texas state on Thursday before they beat UTA pretty handily on Saturday, but UTA didn't really let themselves hang in the game. So while, while Southern played well, it still doesn't see one game doesn't like a hot streak make. So I don't, I don't think either team is in a place coming into this game. It should be a really good crowd. It seems like tickets are already nigh on impossible to get. So hopefully all is good there and that it's the environment that it should be for the game of this nature. It's a Friday night. should be fun. And so what I'm looking for is just Nelson being back will mean a lot, as David said. But if it's going to be a close game down the stretch, reverse the thing that happened last week and have it be that because you're the home team, you get it done at home. But also, don't let it be close. Just win by 30. Yeah, that would be really helpful, wouldn't it? Nice, easy, comfortable win. So ultimately, we're going to have to wait and see. Again, Georgia State tips against Georgia Southern on Friday, the 28th at 7 o'clock. Be there, be square. It's going to be a rocking time. Definitely is going to be one of the most attended games um, for Georgia State at home this year. So hopefully a good arena crowd and good energy um and we'll see what happens there we're gonna move on to some listener questions uh flying z77 asks should georgia state football and the Sun Belt have its spring games on espn plus interesting question i had never actually considered that before i mean yeah anytime that you can broadcast georgia state that's a good thing i'm not gonna say no it, it, i kind of say that a little tongue-in-cheek but you know i think putting a spring game 
you know, is the casual fan necessarily going to tune into the spring game? Probably not for long, but it's still fun and it's still, you know, getting eyes on your program and still good for exposure purposes. So heck yeah, put the spring game and Sunbelt spring games on ESPN+. Plus. Coming from a place of ignorance about kind of not growing up around college football, is that a common place thing to broadcast your school's spring game to watch, whether it be on like, you know, traditional linear television or through a platform like ESPN Plus like we have? I can't speak for anything but the last, you know, the current era we live in where everything's available with the streaming. But it's pretty common for your power conference teams the sec i think across the board all their spring games are on probably actual tv in addition to being able to stream it online i think georgia is always they they have a huge crowd and it's still on probably sec network probably not one of the the espn or espn2 but it's it gets broadcast um i i think there's probably a degree to which coach elliott doesn't want it broadcast because the old don't give anyone tape of anyone, keep it all close to your vest and everything. And I get that to a degree, but I also think that where this team is, as far as trying to grow any opportunity, you can get eyeballs, whether it's from fans who don't live in Georgia, who don't have a chance to get to the spring game, who maybe are even on the fence, like trying to invest in the team and stuff like this is making it harder. The fact that it's not televised for them to check in and to keep tabs on the team or whether it's just random college football watcher who is getting their football fix in the middle of March, in the middle of April in Georgia state's case, looking for something to watch with football. I just don't think eyeballs are a bad thing. And I think because spring Playbooks are generally pretty dumbed down in vanilla because it's more about just basic concepts and not about complexities or game playing for anyone specifically. I, I honestly don't think there'd be that that much that would be given away by it. And given all the basketball games that are on ESPN plus and some limited baseball for each of the schools, it seems like I don't know what the costs would be, but it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard for Georgia State to say, yes, please come ESPN Plus, we want to put this on, but I think it is probably a personal choice. And I would just say you should have it on there. I I just don't think the exposure is a bad thing. And I don't think that there's actually anything that opponents can really glean from it that, you know, you'd be giving away. All right. And then Mike from Marietta asks, thoughts on Georgia State relighting the Olympic cauldron this Saturday for the U.S. Olympic marathon trials. Should explicitly say that's the reason why the game is on Friday and not Saturday. The streets around the sports arena are going to be closed because of the trials. And so they decided having a bunch of cars come through and hit people on their way to the uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern basketball game probably wasn't a good idea. Cowards. Uh, But I I think that, that, you know, not about the question, but just in general, I think that that is a positive. I think Saturday, Saturday day game doesn't have the same juice as Friday night. So I think we fell backwards into a good situation with this game happening Friday night. But as far as the actual question goes, it's one of, it's probably the, the most important Atlanta sports moment, the Olympics being hosted there, probably not a controversial thing to say. And so anytime you can have that beacon literally and metaphorically lit to remind everyone 
Atlanta hosted the Olympics not that long ago. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah, it could only really bring more eyeballs to, hey, Georgia State, wait, they're in Turner Field now? I mean, I guarantee you that people that didn't know that, that, you know, maybe might be paying attention to the Olympic trials and see, oh, wow, that's really close to where Turner Field is. And then they were like, oh, wow, Georgia State plays in Turner Field in football now. And that's just, it's just, it's only, it's, it's a part of the campus and kind of like Georgia State culture that is really cool having that, you know, big monument that is so in, impactful in so many people's memories of the 96 Olympics. Like, it's just, I don't really see a downside to it. I think it's a cool thing. I feel like maybe in the least obtrusive way, have some subliminal Georgia state advertising. Like, I don't know, not so much as having like coach Elliott standing with a sign in view of the torch <laughs> or anything in pictures, but I'm not, not saying that <laughs> I want him. Just, sign spinning. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of just to echo what you guys have said. I really like it when Georgia state specifically leans into Atlanta and I don't want to, you know, filibuster here or anything, but it's there's just something really nice about that connection that Atlanta teams have with each other. Um, and I really like it when Georgia State kind of pipes up and really includes themselves in that because obviously they are in Atlanta. You know, that's that's not a weird thing to say. That's what all the addresses say. But, you know, at any time that Georgia State can rep the A is a good time. Hard agree. Retweet all the like. So the I guess the other elephant in the room is we didn't talk about the Little Rock game. That's because we're going to have another pod between the games. We're going to talk about the result of the Southern game. We're going to preview Little Rock then because with all the stuff that's up in the air, still with where the placements are in the Sun Belt, it just kind of felt weird to just hypothetically talk about what would happen between the Southern and the Little Rock games and not actually talk about it when it's already happened. And we know these things happen. Ergo, this is how it might play out on Tuesday. So we're gonna have another one out before the week is out. And, and I would also just want to shout out. We're starting to do some more baseball stuff in the throes of it. MLB is back in spring training and college baseball is hitting the ground running. And I have, Weekly stuff out with baseball recapping the scores. We're going to have game recaps whenever we're attending games. And we're really looking forward to give this baseball team real coverage. There's some promising stuff happening under Coach Tromdahl. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on the Thursday Night Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. Got some cool stuff coming. Uh, Hopefully... The next time we speak to you, Georgia State will be on the other side of a W from Georgia Southern this Friday. Uh, And like Brady said, we're going to have another pod breaking down kind of a a midweek extra supplementary action pod for you. um, Talking about the Georgia Southern game reactions and then getting into some little rock rock preview. So be sure to keep a lookout for that. Till then, uh, we'll see you later. Have a great one. See you. Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information 
information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.